Hi, this is Emeka and Elandris, and you're listening to the So Far Us podcast, the 30-minute podcast where we break down a trending topic, centering the discussion on the Black millennial woman's experience, and explore what it means for us by answering with, so for us, now let's break down this episode's trending topic. America loves to critique Black women harshly one minute, then demand we become its saviors in the next. Towards the end of 2021, Black women were doing it big. Stacey Abrams is running for governor. Issa Rae concluded a cultural shifting series, and people wanted to have Michelle Obama run for president. We were being put on a pedestal of achievement, and then the critiques of these same women not being good enough came shortly after. So for Alangis, it's times like these I think of Rosa Parks, a civil rights icon who dedicated her life to the liberation of Black people. Yet after all the work she had done, she struggled to find a job. Her rent was paid by the CEO of Little Caesars almost until the day she died. How was she good enough to move progress forward, but wasn't good enough to hire or to invest in? Where was our community when she needed us most? She was our saving grace in so many ways, but wasn't protected. This is a Mecca. And for me, this subject, Black women being put in the position to save the day while still facing criticism, makes me think of how this plays out in corporate America. An episode from the Wonder Years reboot, which I highly recommend, comes to mind. In this particular episode, the mother, who is highly educated, but also one of the few Black people in her office, and mind you, this is the 60s in Alabama, completely saves the day at the office in a way that makes it seem like a pretty common occurrence, and yet it goes unacknowledged and really not even recognized. And there are so many stories and studies that highlight how common this still is today. Black women who are one of the most ambitious groups in the workplace, one of the most educated groups in the country, working hard and definitely saving the day at work, only to be passed over when it comes to promotions, not to even speak of the huge pay gap, the unfair and misplaced critiques of Black women in the workplace when they are up for a promotion or seeking a new position or raise, perpetuates the existing gap in advancement opportunities and undervaluing of Black women in the workspace. And the same people who come up with some form of critique to not promote or pay them will turn around the next morning and ask them to say, the day once again. Well, this has been an interesting past couple of months. And of course, Black women have been in the news nonstop. Um, But most recently, we've had uh, our big three, in my opinion, which were Issa Rae, Kamala Harris, and Michelle Obama. And I wanted to start with Michelle Obama being in the news because of Joe Rogan, Mr. Ivermectin himself, um, saying that Michelle Obama should run for president and she should win. But I don't know if you remember when um, Barack Obama ran the first time and all of the negative stuff that she endured Um, as a mother, as a woman, as a wife, um, and all these stereotypes that were coming her way. And it's like, she had all of these 
negative talking points and cartoons and articles written about her. And she still became our first lady, our forever first lady for black people. And people appreciate her now. But um, I feel like at the same time, while she became beloved to us, the media and many right-wing talking uh, points pointing at her as this stereotypical welfare queen. Um, I know sometimes we've seen her as uh, seen her called as a Jezebel. Um, they look down upon her credentials as uh, an educated black woman who is overly qualified um, to be Barack Obama's wife. <laughs> and and I, I just feel like, how is it that he can make such a statement that America deserves to be saved after going through all of that? You know what I'm saying? Like, at what point do we say that you don't deserve all of the things that black women women contribute when you are constantly dragging our names through the mud when do we find when do we find a point where you're saying no you don't deserve me at my best if you try to always point me point out my worst even when i'm giving you my all you try to find the littlest flaw in me as a black woman when do we find as a collective that particular spaces, whether it's the country, whether it's our jobs, whether it's our, um, our, our colleagues, our associates, when do we say, you don't deserve to have the best parts of me while dragging my name through the mud? And I guess not to answer with a question, but then that also leads me to think what happens when we make that decision what happens to the country to our office um and if you think about it from like a work situation what happens to us when we no longer help out in the way um that they're used to us helping out and doing the work because most likely they're probably going to see a big decrease in kind of the output quality and productivity that they're used to overall, right? Because of our contribution. Um, and so I almost question, do we even truly have the space to make that decision? Do we, or if, and if not, we can still make a choice to create that space to make a decision. I know um, a lot of close friends of mine who have made that decision and have chosen to walk away from that toxic work environment. Even if it meant for a little while, they're gonna have to live off savings until they find a better um, work environment. Um, but I guess, you know, it's, we, we do that when we decide to choose us, when we decide to choose our mental and emotional health um, and, decide that that's worth more than dealing with these situations where no matter what we do and how much value we add, it's not recognized, it's not acknowledged, um, and it's not valued. Right, right. And I, I feel like 
that also leads into that whole strong black woman stereotype. Like we have to still endure it all. Like we don't have the option to set healthy boundaries and say, yeah, just because I'm qualified to do something, just because I'm capable of doing something, doesn't mean I should. Because I deserve self-preservation. I deserve, I just deserve. <laughs> like sometimes right. we don't even think about as black women what we deserve. Right. Um, and and so we're constantly fighting for a spot um to be vulnerable, to be fragile, to be ourselves, to to have boundaries. Like we're constantly being told that we have to be the backbone of something, whether it's the backbone of Mm -hmm. democracy, the backbone of the family, the backbone of the corporation. You know, like uh, I read an article that said that if you have put a CEO, you put a black woman in a leadership role or in a CEO role of a company, that company tends to thrive. And I'm like, but what is that black woman sacrificing? Wow. To get there and to stay there. Right. And stay there. And stay there. What is her everyday choice? And what is the boundary that she is not setting to stay in that role to make sure that everything doesn't come crumbling down? And I look at, um, I was looking at Kamala Harris and seeing like all of the things that's coming out about her. She could literally save a baby from a burning building. And they would find a way to critique this woman unfairly. And and don't get me wrong, politicians need to be critiqued. If they're not doing what they're saying that they're supposed to do uh, or saying what they were going to stand up and do, then yes, I feel like you should be able to critique them. But the woman was critiqued for buying pots. Buying pots. I'm like, this is the vice president of the United States and you're critiquing what she spent on some pots. And it's like, for what? For what? You're not critiquing her on anything that she's voted for in the Senate. You don't even talk about what she's done in the Senate to make sure that things have gotten passed. You don't talk about the 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 trips that she's made to different countries to negotiate on the on behalf of this country. Yet we hear about she spent four hundred dollars on some pots. And that is a big news media outlet. And I'm like, we find the littlest and the most asinine things to critique Black women on. And sometimes it has nothing to do with why we are there in the first place. Exactly. I think, (laughs) I don't know, maybe sometimes it could be like thinking about all the studies that show that Black women are the most ambitious group in the workplace, right? Like they Mm -hmm. want to get the promotions. They're trying to get to the top of the company. They're putting in the work, they're collecting the degrees to do so. And yet the studies also show we're not getting the promotions and Mm -hmm. things are not adding up, right? (laughs) Like if we're doing all the work well, if we have all the, the degrees stacked up, how are we getting passed over? And then when you listen to stories from black women also being requested to train the people who they hired instead in those positions, um, which means you know you're doing the work well. Maybe the reason why they try to critique us on these things, like you said, that have nothing to do with why we're there, is because they 
oftentimes probably can't give a valid critique of our actual work, of actual merit, mm. because there's none to be made. And yet they still are going to choose to find a way to not give us that promotion, that raise, that new position, right? Um, and it's also, it's almost a, a circle because then we also, we've talked about this on other episodes where things are perceived differently when we do it. Going back to what you said a moment ago about the strong black woman thing, where in some cases, if we did show any type of vulnerability, mm -hmm. um, a reaction, a response that might be more acceptable or sympathize with if someone else had the same reaction, we don't get that same type of response back when At we all. do those things. So we're not able to do that, which is another stressor that we carry with us as we move up, right? Because we're mm -hmm. not able to respond to situations in the same way that others are. Um, we have to maintain this perfect, I guess, um, stance at all times or mm. be criticized for the littlest thing, even if it has nothing to do with the actual work or the actual role, because they'll find anything to maintain um, the position they want to hold us in, the box they want to hold us in how far they want to let us go up the chain. Right. And just think like I, when you say that, like you're saying like how far they want to, how much they want to hold us in that box and stop us from going so far up the chain. I think about that. Um, whether you agree with her policies or not, Kamala Harris is in the position that no other woman, no other person of color um, no other woman of color has ever been in there. I mean, the highest position that a woman of color, a woman in general has ever been in. And she is underneath a microscope and people can say all they want, but what we're looking at is an experiment or an exercise to show how far they're actually willing to let women or women of color, white women and women of color actually go in this country. You know, and I feel like if they're scrutinizing her so much for something so frivolous this early, like we're just getting into a year of their, their administration if they're scrutinizing her so harshly, so early, what does that say for future generations or future elections? Will we even see this again? I mean, considering that voting rights just got shot down, will we even be able to vote? <laughs> but <laughs> um, but I, I just think about like the boxes that they put women in general in, but women of color, black women, the boxes that they put us in, like we can do no wrong. We have to be perfect. We have to be perfect. We can't be upset. We can't go there. We can't go toe to toe. We can't, we can't be upset. We can't be angry. We have to show this poker face 
that says we are unfazed. Meanwhile, somebody will tell Sasharov to go ahead and start a war and drop drone strikes for $2 trillion overnight because he felt like it. Without question. And then the other side, mm-hmm. the other side of that, especially in the workplace, is because we are aware that we cannot interact with others in the workplace in the way that everyone else feels comfortable to do, mm-hmm. then some of us puts up what to them seems like a, a guard of. We don't mm. socialize in the same way. We're not as friendly, but we can't be. We can't be completely comfortable right. like everyone else because we're not treated and judged the same way when we respond like any other human would respond. But then that's also held against us sometimes, right? Right. Where they're like, oh, are you being a team player? You're not really, you know, interacting with people. You're not being social or you seem a bit closed off. Um, And so it's like there's, (laughs) it's, you're between a, a rock and a hard place, right? Because when you do become comfortable and you do that and you have normal human responses to things because of who you are, black and a woman you're you're going to be seen differently for those reactions than how they would look at someone else so absolutely and i think about Issa ray when you say that because like she finished insecure which is a phenomenal show i did not finish the season finale what okay so are you just holding it for the a good moment possibly so i got this thing about season finales total (laughs) off so offside comment, but I can't, for some reason, I have shows that I refuse to finish because I finished one show. It was called Merlin, Nerd Herd. If you're out there listening, you know who Merlin is. Um, so I finished Merlin and I was in my feelings for like a month. I finished Leverage six times and I was in my feelings every time I got to the series finale. So every time I get to a series finale, I get in my feelings and I get into this funk. And I think it all stems from Dracula. I'm so serious. How did (laughs) we get to Dracula? Okay, so Dracula (laughs) was a show with Jonathan Reese Myers that came on and I love that show. And they Mm -hmm. canceled it after one season and I had binged it and I got so in tune with this show and I loved it because I'm a huge vampire fan. And they never bought the show back. And I didn't want to be disappointed. And for some reason, <laughs> every time I get ready to get to the end of a show, when it gets to the series finale, I can't do it. I still haven't finished the original. I still haven't finished Vampire Diaries. I still haven't finished like so many shows. I refuse. Now, to how do you? That. So spoilers must not bother you. No, spoilers don't bother. Okay, you can tell me a whole. Movie, I, know, a whole show I assume you probably know how these series have ended by now. Yeah, I know exactly it. how they end. <laughs> I just won't watch it. And it's, it's, it's just something that bothers me because I feel like no I'm, closure. No, no closure. closure. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just full frontal, uh, full lace frontal <laughs> open. Uh, <laughs> no closure. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I can't, I cannot, I, I just, for some reason, I can't do it. I can't do it, but um, one of these days, it'll probably be in a few months that I'll finally watch 
the season finale, the series finale of Insecure. Because mm. it's been, I think, at least a month now. And I'm still not ready to watch it. <laughs> so, I mean, I know how it ends. But yeah. I, I, I just I'm sure watch you it. do by now. Yeah. yeah, I knew how it ended the <laughs> night that it aired. I just didn't want to watch it. <laughs> so, it doesn't make it real. But going into Issa, like, everybody was talking about how phenomenal the series finale was. Mm-hmm. And how much Insecure changed the culture of television for us, how we didn't see Black trauma, how we were able to see Black mm-hmm. people existing in just their Blackity Black life. And it was like the show that was giving us our life. It was what the Black millennials needed. And so after it ended, you started seeing all these negative things about Issa that wasn't true. And I'm like, this woman gave you her art she gave you years of work on YouTube and you saw her her rise and it still wasn't enough. Like you, you were begging for something like this so much. She gave you what the culture was asking for and you took it and you trashed her. And I was just like, dude, like saying things like she was... Um, she really didn't come up the way that she came up and she grew up wealthy and all this other stuff. I was like, okay, but what does that have to do with what she has contributed? Like how y'all went from one night of let, yay, let's celebrate Issa. She did it for the culture to just bashing this woman. And I just, I, I just couldn't. I'm like, how do we do this every time to black women who give us something so much to be proud of? And then bash them in the same breath. I don't get it. Or we either bash, they're either bashing black women or they're not protecting black women from being bashed. And I'm just like, I, I just, that's part of the reason why I won't watch the, the season finale too, because that also makes that part real for me. So it's like, I, I just, I couldn't sometimes I can't fathom how even within our own community that we struggle with affirming black women who stand in the margin, who give us their all and still we judge them for not being enough. Like they're not enough. And it makes me wonder like, will we ever be enough? Um, so when you talk about um, celebrating like a black woman and then it's like in the same breath saying they're not enough, that um, makes me think of a movie that is in the works from Anthony Mackie and it is about Claudette Colvin, right? And, you know, she, before some months before Rosa Parks did the same thing where Mm -hmm. she did not give up her seat on the bus and she was arrested for that in Montgomery. But a lot of us only learned about her within the last, what, 10 years. Some people still don't know about her story, um, which is part of the reason 
know, Anthony Mackie said when he learned about her at, um, I think he said the Civil Rights Museum in Memphis, I could be wrong though, um, that he was like, he really wanted to get her story out there, deserved to be told, you know, and he talked about how being a superhero in a movie is one thing, but she's like a real live superhero who, you know, still alive and here it is now and her story should be told and known. Um, and obviously part of that history is that there was some decision made by leadership that even though what she did was mm -hmm. important for the movement, that they didn't feel she was the right face for the campaign, right? And they made that decision not to basically push her story in the way that they then pushed Rosa Parks' story months later. Mm -hmm. um, and so that kind of reminded me of that where um, someone who did something um, that would be seen as so brave in a story that many of us know, but from the experience of someone else with a similar experience and had made like history well known, but they critiqued who she was to the point that when she did it, they decided that wasn't, we're not going to use that story. We're not going to recognize and, and celebrate her. And for decades now, many people didn't know what she did. Right. And it's, and it's interesting because it's like, they tried to put who she was in a box and, and, and didn't want to elevate her and what she contributed. And they critique, they made it so that Rosa Parks was the face but ended up not protecting Rosa Parks after she did what she did hmm. because Rosa Parks was then left and abandoned by, by the same culture. She ended up trying to protect. She ended up losing her home. She ended up having her apartment paid for by the owner of little Caesars almost until the day she died. She couldn't get a job. Like it backfired. Putting one woman in a box to uplift and uh, to put another woman on a pedestal, only to abandon her and not protect her. But I will say this though, like even though we have these hindrances, we always find a way to outshine the nonsense. Is it backbreaking? Yes. Is it fair? No. But for some reason, Black women have this thing about them. I don't want to say it's resilience because I don't want to go into that strong Black woman stereotype. But I want to say that it's something in Black women that no matter how much is thrown at us, no matter how much comes our way, we still are not blocked from the blessings that we contribute. We... we I don't know what it is. I can't explain. Maybe it's God. Maybe it's God's way of showing that no matter how much you try to break black women down, there is something about them that will always shine. Which is why we are still the prototype for people copying us. We are still the blueprint for people who want things to thrive. We're still the ones they call to come save everybody. You know? And so 
I wanted to just end up closing off with the work will always need to get done. And Black women have a tendency to shine when doing the work. So don't allow others to dim your light. Stand up, stand out, stand proud, but also have your boundaries and protect your peace. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the So For Us podcast. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social media sites using the at So For Us podcast handle. Like, comment, leave a review, send us a trending topic you'd like us to discuss, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. We'll talk to you soon in the best place that is so for us.